You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me Well, last night I was blessed to attend a concert at the Lehigh Valley High School for the Performing Arts. One of our young people is a student down there. And the Youth for Christ chapter down there, uh, under her direction, uh, organized a concert, which was a benefit concert. It was a benefit concert um, for uh, a mission to Haiti. It's the 10th anniversary of that mission. And they were celebrating that. So got to go down and hear some great music played and, and some original compositions by the young people. And it was wonderful. Um, but I have to say, I attend those kind of events and they're a little bit bittersweet for me. Um, 25 years ago, I was preparing for a career in the performing arts and I was spending thousands of hours with my saxophone and clarinet preparing to spend a life making music and teaching others to do the same. Um, And uh, when I see here an event like that, I think to myself, boy, I used to be able to play at least somewhat like that. And um, I remember when I interviewed Bryce Jordan, who was the president of Penn State many years ago, I asked him, he was a concert flautist at one time in his life, and I asked him, did you still play, do you still play flute? And he said, no. He said, it's no fun to do poorly what you used to do well. And um, I changed away from that because uh, somewhere in the first year of our marriage, God put a call on my life. And I came to realize that I was cut out to be a pastor and not a music teacher or performing musician. And so consequently, if that was my destination, my habits right now needed to change. Destination is your destiny. And where you're headed should change your behaviors in the here and now. We are called to be transformed by our final destination. And that is, in fact, what the letter to the church in Philadelphia teaches us from the book of Revelation. In fact, it's a theme in all three of our readings today. I don't know if you noticed it. Uh, This week was in the news, probably, but Professor Stephen Hawking's died. Um, Stephen Hawking's was a brilliant, brilliant astrophysicist. Um, He was also a very outspoken atheist. Um, He, along with three scholars who were called the Four Horsemen of the New Atheism, uh, made a career out of promoting atheism, uh, both in the academy and in popular books. Well... What an interesting thing about Dr. Hawking's is that, um, and about the, all these atheists, is that they're called the new atheists, but that's kind of a false moniker because really they're not producing any new arguments for atheism. In fact, here in the 21st century, they were simply recycling arguments from the 19th century. Arguments which have been largely responded, well, have been all responded to, and had, there's great Christian answers to those various arguments, but yes, keep recycling them. Dr. Hawking's was famous for promoting a particular thing. He said, well, the study of science 
Maybe it hasn't disproven God, but it's made God irrelevant. Made God unnecessary. And this is based on one of those 19th century stories about how religion came to be. And the story goes like this. Once upon a time, humanity invented God or the gods because it didn't understand the world. And so it invented things to say the gods did them because we really couldn't understand what we were facing in the world. Well, um, and the, the theory goes that as science expands and we understand the world more and more and more, the room for God gets smaller and smaller until finally in Dr. Hawking's estimation, God was unnecessary. Well, what's interesting about that, of course, that's called the God of the gaps theory. That may well describe certain religions, but it doesn't describe Christianity or Judaism very well. I'm in fact reading a book right now by an evolutionary psychologist who has taken a real honest look at the book of Genesis. And he does a good analysis of it in his book. And he said, you know, this story is not really about how anything happened, how we got the world we got. It's about a loss of relationship between humanity and their God. If you look at it, what do we know about Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis before what we call the fall? Not very much. We know that A, they are made in the image of God, and we know that B, they walk with God in the garden and are naked and unashamed. Naked being a symbol for nothing to hide. They have nothing to hide from each other, and they have nothing to hide from God. They walk with God in communion with God. And through their betrayal, they lose that intimate relationship and they start to have shame and they start to need to hide themselves from God and from one another. They lose relationship. And the restoration of relationship between God and humanity is what the whole of the scriptures is about. From Genesis through to Revelation. Now, God restores that relationship in two ways. The first is the law. The law teaches us who we were made to be in the first place. And as Jeremiah says today in our reading, it is written on our hearts. In the New Covenant, the law is written on the hearts of humanity. This is really what the book of Romans is about. The first, say, the first chapter of Romans is that St. Paul is recognizing that... Everyone, not just those who've received the Ten Commandments, but even the Gentiles who never heard of them, when they observe nature carefully and human nature, they come around to the same kind of morals that Jews have. And he says they become a law unto themselves. They, they recognize, they honestly observe, and they have some idea of how we're supposed to behave even if we don't behave that way. Yes, there are variations culturally and stuff like that because none of our perceptions are perfect, but we're all headed in the same direction. As G.K. Chesterton once noted, some cultures say you can have one wife, some cultures say you can have multiple wives, but no culture says you can have anyone you want. So that's the law. The law helps us learn how we were supposed to live because, as St. Paul will say, if it's coming proceeding from love, there's no law against it. We're made to be in the image of God who is love. 
So the law teaches us how we should live, but as I just mentioned a moment ago, it also teaches us what we don't do. Am I right? <laughs> we know how we're supposed to live, and we don't live that way. So it also teaches us the need for our Savior. And that's the other way that God restores communion with His creatures. Is once they are prepared by the law, once they know that they can't live the way they're supposed to live, they know their need for a Savior. And that's the Gospel. The good news is that right as you realize you need a Savior, God has given you one. And you could sit on a mountainside for years and contemplate nature. You could sit in the city and contemplate human nature as you watch it unfold around you. But what you will never get to is the gospel. And the gospel is this, that God in a very particular person on the streets of first century Nazareth became a human being for your sake and die the death he should never have had to die for the sake of your sins. And through trust in that act and in his person, you too can have eternal life. The gospel is always the good news. It's always news and not something we figure out on ourselves. It's why we have to have it preached to us again and again and again. That is the gift of God to us in the gospel. And now, knowing that, it's not only to know who God is and to have a relationship restored with Him, but to know that your destination is different. This is what we have in the rewards to the church at Philadelphia. Did you notice there were no criticisms of this church? It's one of the few, right? Only two churches don't get criticized out of the seven. And God says, if you learn this, this lesson of patient endurance, here's what you're going to get. You'll be a pillar in the temple of God. God will put His name right on you. And in fact, the name of the New Jerusalem. That's like saying, I'm going to stamp your passport. You can go. <laughs> okay? Your destination is different than if you did not know God and Jesus Christ. And just like my behaviors changed when I stopped planning to be a musician and started planning to be a pastor, that ought to change us right now. We are called to be different people because of the destiny we have that is di the different destination we have in Jesus Christ. And I heard a funny story about this. Because, see, we know that Adam and Eve were made in God's image. And so now we know how we're to be restored, what we're to be restored into. The story I heard was this. There was a, um, and I was reminded of it this week because I was visiting one of our shut-ins. And as I visited his house, a bald eagle came right in and landed in the tree right above my head, which was so cool. <laughs> um, well, the story is that this uh, farmer uh, was taking care of, of his farm and uh, he was walking through a woods near the edge of his property and he came across an eaglet that had fallen out of its eyrie, out of its nest. And he, he collected the, bir the bird and took it back to the farm. Well, he didn't know what he was doing with an eagle, so he just stuck it in with the chickens. And so, growing up with the chickens, the eagle learned to do what chickens do. He walked around and scratched and pecked the ground and when he'd spread the seed, he would 
push the other birds aside for the seed, just like you've ever, have you ever fed chickens. You know, they're not nice to each other when you spread the seed around. <laughs> he kind of shouldered them out of the way and did his thing. Well, this continued for years until finally a professor from a nearby university was out visiting the property and doing a, a land survey and took a look and said, what is that in the chicken coop? The farmer said, well, it's an eagle. Well, I can see that. Why is there an eagle in the chicken coop? Well, I found it as a little baby and I didn't know what I was doing, so I just stuck it in there. Now he thinks he's a chicken. <laughs> and the professor said, but, but it's in his blood, it's in his DNA. He is designed to be an eagle, he's designed to fly. Can I, can I take him out and try to rehabilitate him? The farmer said, well, knock yourself out, prof. <laughs> So the man went in and he took the eagle, he picks it up off the ground and he holds it up and he says, you are meant to fly, be free. And the bird went, thump. <laughs> looked, at the, looked at the professor like he was crazy and went back to scratching on the ground. So the professor took him and picked him up off the ground again, went into the barn, went up through the barn and up through the, the door and the roof of the barn and stood up on the top of the barn and he held the eagle up. He says, you are meant to fly. Be free. And he held that bird up. He didn't throw it this time. He got learned the first time. So he held it up nice and high and the bird flapped his wings. He's like, you're nuts. <laughs> Trying to keep his balance. And he wouldn't, wouldn't just dug his claws right into the guy and wouldn't get off. So finally the professor came down back through the barn and the farmer's laughing at him the whole time. You know? So I told you, prof, it wasn't going to work. He said, let me try one more time. All right. So this time he took that eagle up the mountain that was next to the farm. He took that bird up to the edge of the highest cliff and he held the bird up high. And the bird could look down and see the barn and the farmyard where he'd grown up below him. And he just held that bird up as high as he could, pointed it at the sun and said, you were meant to fly. Be free. And the bird started doing this to keep its balance. And then the wind from the mountain caught his wings. And he felt something he never felt before. And he looked. And with a cry of joy, he leapt from the professor's hand into the sky and soared. Now, I don't know if that eagle ever went back to visit the chickens. <laughs> but he learned he was destined for something far, far greater than he had grown up thinking he was destined for. When we hear the good news of God in Jesus Christ and hear of that destination we call heaven, and it's not a place, it's a relationship with God in His blessedness and glory. When we hear about that, we should be changed right here and right now. Learning to do new things, to love one another, to give more selflessly, to become more like the Christ by whose grace we enter that kingdom. Will you join me for a word of prayer?
Heavenly and blessed Father, thank you so much for the chance to be in your house of prayer, to hear once again of your law, which teaches us how to live, and your gospel, which empowers us to live. No longer as slaves to our merely carnal natures, but as people with a destiny by your grace in your good kingdom. Help us to keep our eyes on that reality all throughout the week and even months and years ahead. Keep our feet upon the path. Teach us to love one another truly and to share that good news of what you have done in Jesus Christ with our family, our friends, and all the world. This we ask in his holy and precious name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.